1: Will we find in the college football playoffs? Which two teams will make the Super Bowl in the NFL? What's wrong with Keith Olbermann? That and more today with Clay Travis. It's the Will Cain Podcast on Fox News Podcast. What's up and welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday. As always, I hope you will download, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your audio entertainment at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. You can watch the Will Cain Podcast on Rumble or on YouTube. And make sure to follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Will Kane for the latest on the Will Cain Podcast. Clay Travis is the host of the Clay and Buck Show on iHeartRadio, syndicated across the nation on radio stations near you. 12 to 3, Eastern Time. Make sure to check out the Clay and Buck Show. He's also the founder of OutKick, the sports and culture website owned by Fox News, which makes Clay Travis also a Fox News contributor. As we approach football season, college and pro, I thought it would be fun to sit down for a while, talk about, both sports, college and pro football. Why does everybody always talk about the Dallas Cowboys? What is wrong with Keith Oberman? And who is the smart bet? Is there any other smart bet to represent the Republican Party for the presidency than Donald Trump? Here is our conversation with Clay Travis. <laughs> Clay Travis of The Clay and Buck Show and OutKick on the Fox News Network. How is it possible that you have a headline right now? it's up live as we speak on outkick it is entitled Dallas Cowboys are a major negative regression candidate explain yourself Clay Travis
0: first of all I don't think that's my uh, my argument right but I will say that's been accurate for like 25 years since you guys actually were deep <sighs>
1: two straight years of 12 wins. And from what I can tell, they only got better this offseason. So I don't know how they are a candidate to regress.
0: Well, I think if you're uh, the positive, I guess, would be if you're capable of winning 12 games, it's unlikely that you're going to go to 14. Right. So regression to the overall story of the NFL. Um, and uh, what you guys haven't been in an championship games since 95. Am I right about that?
1: It's 95. Correct. Is very, it's only been
0: 30 years. Was that 28 years now? Maybe this is your year, Will.
1: Very golden moment in my life. Those are the nostalgic years that are, you know, in my memory cast with a beautiful sunset in the background. And it was our days of dominance. I, I remember, man. I, I don't know that you've ever had this feeling, Travis. I, I, you know, between Tennessee and Vanderbilt and the Tennessee Titans, who didn't even exist for most of your life, I don't know that you've ever had that feeling. Have you ever felt what pure dominance and dynasty feels like, where you go not just into any game but into a championship game and you don't wish or hope but you just know we're gonna win
0: look the late 90s for the university of tennessee were a very good time and i'll just point out that i wish i could go back in time and experience it again but in 1998 university of tennessee went 13-0 won the national championship uh and then uh in the next year the Tennessee Titans went to the Super Bowl and got stopped a yard short of going to overtime against the St. Louis Rams and potentially winning a Super Bowl. So, yes, I, I did have a brief period of time from about 1995 to 2001 or thereabouts when I was a young man, before I knew how fortunate I was, when my teams were utterly dominant.
1: Is that the best you have ever felt as a fan? My theory goes like this, Clay. There's two types of feelings that have been amazing as a sports fan. One was pure dominance, and I really did get to experience that through the 90s with the Dallas Cowboys. It didn't matter if it was 4th and 10. It didn't matter if it was the Super Bowl. I, I, there's a security that I felt as a fan that I've never... It's never been replicated. It hasn't been replicated with the Texas Longhorns. It hasn't been replicated with the Dallas Mavericks nor the Texas Rangers, who've all had their moment in the sun. But they didn't ever come along with that feeling of complete and utter confidence. And that's a really fun and good feeling for a fan. But I will say, the only thing better is the feeling of, I can't believe we're here. We're playing with house money. Every step of the way feels like gravy. And I've had that a couple of times. I had that with, honestly, like the Dallas Mavericks last season when Luka Doncic took them to the Western Conference Finals, and I didn't expect it. You know, expectation sets the standard for life. And if you have high expectations, you're kind of only setting yourself up for disappointment. But if I had low expectations, and I didn't didn't think we'd ever be in the Western Conference Finals, every playoff round victory is just amazing. It feels wonderful. So what is the best feeling for you as a fan? What team gave you that best feeling?
0: Uh, 98, Tennessee, because that was the first year Peyton Manning was gone. And you, if you remember that narrative for people who were around it, for those those ages, it was Tennessee could never beat Florida. Uh, and I like the Florida, Florida Gators were basically the best team in college football, by and large. Um, So it wasn't like anybody was beating Florida on a regular basis, but probably that win that Tennessee had in overtime over Florida in 98, winning the national championship. And then I would say the run that the Titans had to make the AFC championship game, uh, where they got into the playoffs, went on the road, beat Brady, and nobody expected that. Then they went on the road and beat that great Lamar Jackson team that had won like 14 games in a row. Uh, those were both unexpected, joyful. Like, hey, this is a really fun ride, and they were up, you know, double digits on the uh, Chiefs, and it felt like they may, really might make a run to uh, to the Super Bowl. Because to your point, when you feel like your team is capable of winning, a lot of times those aren't very fun years. Like, right, uh, the Titans lost to the Bengals, number one C A F C. I mean, that was brutal because you felt like, hey, they're getting healthy. They could win the Super Bowl. In fact, they had beaten the Rams That I think the Rams won the Super Bowl that year, uh, over the Bengals. But they had beaten the Rams on the road in Sunday football. But those are the seasons where it's not necessarily joyful because you're worried about seeding. You're worried about, uh, you know, what the matchups are going to be. There's peril everywhere you look when you're actually expecting to win a championship, And so a lot of times the most joyful are the ones, the rides that kind of come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, the best that I could say threaded that needle for me, Clay, or had that balancing act was 05, the University of Texas, because I got to feel completely confident. I thought Vince Young couldn't get anything. Fourth and 20, Vince will get it. But at the same time, where there was this this Death Star out there that was the USC Trojans. So despite the fact that we all felt very confident that we had Superman on our team and Vince Young, there was actually somebody out there who everyone else had the expectations laid upon. Like, it wasn't on Texas's shoulders. We didn't. We didn't have to win the national championship because oh USC, they're the the force to be reckoned with. So I got to have both that joy of sort of icing on the cake while also having the confidence of, I've got the guy that knows how to bake this cake.
0: Yeah, VY 2005 is one of the most fun athletes in college football history, but also just overall, right? Like just so much fun to watch him play. And you mentioned, like, that fourth and 20. It's amazing how often for Vince Young, and obviously I got to watch him play with the Titans for a couple of years as well, but for a guy as big as he was, it was amazing how often he, like, didn't get touched and then ran out of bounds. You know, like, he's not a small target, (laughs) and yet he would move in a way that it was remarkable how often he would get out of bounds, you know, he'd pick up like 20 yards and it was like nobody could hit it. Like the the only other guy I remember being that size and able to run like that at the quarterback position, and it's not a surprise that he ended up being like the workout warrior that he was, is uh, Matt Jones. Do you remember him? He wasn't a little bit like V.Y. Wright, not a great thrower, but it was like nobody could ever tap. And it was super frustrating to watch because always seemed like he dodged like nine tackles and stepped out of bounds after eight yards and still nobody touched him. There are very few players like that. Again, I'm not talking about like a short, you know, like very like player who's like uh, a jitterbug. I'm talking about like a big dude like and, uh and Matt Jones that should have been huge targets and nobody could seem to get their hands on him.
1: All right. What I want to do with you today is I want to get ourselves set up for both the college and pro football season. But before uh, we do, I am fascinated to also talk to you about some things going on in the realm of politics and culture as we bounce around the world. And one of the things that I find endlessly fascinating, even though the story's probably already been analyzed to death, is the sad story of Keith Olbermann. And the reason to bring up Keith Olbermann is his interaction with OutKick, and particularly Riley Gaines right now, who is contributing to OutKick. He tweeted, once again, something horrific, and this time it was just simply that Riley Gaines was a terrible swimmer, which is factually inaccurate, not true. But he's just got the ugliest uh, personality or spirit that I can think of. I mean, there might be some competition out there, Clay, but... I just for somebody who at one point in time was not just down the fairway mainstream media, but was revered, right? If you had found probably 15 year old Clay or 15 year old Will and said, hey, you get to play golf with Keith Oberman, That would have been like amazing. And now if you told me I was in the same vicinity as Keith Oberman, I would be like, that's horrific. I don't want to be around him. He has proven to be one of the like ugliest characters in media.
0: Like a lot of people around our age, I started off every morning eating my cereal while I got ready for school watching Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick highlights on SportsCenter. So I'm not even kidding about this. If you had told me when I was 15, hey, Clay, just, you know, a little preview of the future. Keith Olbermann is going to know your name one day. I would have been like, that is like I didn't even need to play golf with him or hang out with him. Just the fact that he would know that I existed. I think his career trajectory is maybe the saddest in sports because he was a legend. Like if Keith Overman had gone down in like a uh, airplane crash in 1996, all of the American sporting industry would have been like this is a devastating day. This is like Roberto Clemente died. This is like an awful day for anybody who was a fan of sports. And now if Keith Overman even came back on sports. I feel like anyone with a functional brain would be like, "This game is weird." Like, and and by the way, you and I are in our forties. Riley Gaines is like twenty three years old. Yes. He doesn't even remember Keith Olbermann, and now he's picking fights with former college swimmers and saying they suck because they tied with a six foot four former college swimmer dude. Like, I. I just, I don't understand how Keith Olbermann has so fundamentally lost his way. Why will, whenever people try to argue, oh, you're going to be on the wrong side of history one day. Like, really? You think arguing that dudes and girls should be able to compete and that men who claim that they're women should be able to be the greatest women's athletes of all time is the right side of history? I'm very confident that that I'm on the, the, the good side here in believing that women should complete, compete against women, men should compete against men. And by the way, Go into girls' locker rooms, change beside them. That is totally normal.
1: Keith Elbrun was a bit of a pioneer for guys like Clay Travis and Will Kane, also because he trans. You know, he transcended sports and went into politics and news. And and you know, if he just left it at that, all he would have been was a crazy far left commentator. But that's not really what I'm addressing. That's not even what I care to. You know. Analyze when it comes to Keith Elberman. There are plenty of crazy far left commentators. And by the way, as you and I both know, there are plenty of crazy far left commentators in sports. It's it's more about who he is as a person. And I'll say this. I don't care. I mean, I remember working down at South Street Seaport and he had a second go around or third go around. I don't know what turn around the ferris wheel it was for him but back at espn and he would shuffle into the green room and into the guest office with this little little dog like a lasso opso you know that somehow he had you know enough clout that he thought he could carry his emotional support dog into the office and you know kind of in almost in slippers and pajama bottoms i'm not saying literally but close to slippers and pajama bottoms and you know he has no bark no bark in person i can promise you that he didn't want to confront me he made some small talk with me but the minute that i'm gone he's a warrior on twitter uh, and he's just he's just gross he's just there's nothing too small that's the thing there's no fight and there's no insult and there's no self exposure that is too small for keith oberman
0: well how much have these leftists painted themselves in the corner will that they are now arguing that there is no biological difference between men and women because, and and I spent a lot of time on this yesterday on on my show, but if you take it outside of gender, you've got boys, I've got boys. We just played in a 12-U baseball tournament. I had to bring an actual physical copy of the birth certificate. If I tried to play with my 12-year-old, in eight-year-old flag football, which my eight-year-old is playing in right now, like everybody would say, what are you doing? This is totally unacceptable. We have age, you know, like we saw this in the Little League World Series when the kid from New York was actually 14, and everyone out there said, well, this is not fair. This is why we have age limits. This is why we have separation in terms of Little League versus middle school versus high school. What is the argument here? Are we really in a place where people like Keith Olbermann have so painted themselves into a corner that in the name of inclusiveness, they now are arguing biological reality is not true? I just, I can't believe that they have checkmated themselves like that, but that's where they are.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, transracialism, transageism is no bigger logical leap than transgenderism. We'll be right back with more of the Will Kane podcast. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss
0: every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at
1: noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. What was your sport, Clay? Like, grown up, what was your, your best sport? By high school, I was soccer.
0: Not a great soccer player. Soccer was my sport uh, by the time we went to high school.
1: Okay, so soccer. Okay, I I put forty something year old Clay Travis on a field with what age soccer players today? Do you dominate? Do you dominate eight year olds? You 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 get a team. You get ten other eight year olds. All right, All right. I, so it's you you get ten I, other eight year olds. Yeah, I would crush them. You'd crush them. All right, ten year olds. Are you a ringer on a ten year old team? Like you? What if you're on the ten year old team? Your team dominates. Yes. Okay. Let's keep going. What is your age where you're no longer the ringer and you are just another guy on the field?
0: Probably fourteen or fifteen.
1: I think that's a definite. I think fourteen. I have a fifteen-year-old who plays soccer, club soccer, at pretty high levels, and I don't. Yeah, I, I think you're actually a liability at fifteen. Your cardio, yeah. your conditioning.
0: It might be post-puberty. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to be a lot bigger and stronger than most fourteen-year-olds. Right? They're probably way faster. Um, but uh, but uh, post-puberty would get challenging. But I feel good yeah. up to pre-puberty.
1: But your cardio is a problem. I mean, I've got also a 12-year-old. And I don't know. My 12-year-old plays club soccer to a high level. Uh, he plays, I don't know if you're familiar. He plays ECNL uh, level. And I went to practice last night, and they were physical, man. And I could see you huffing and puffing <laughs> after 10 minutes. I don't know. I think
0: I can play to wipe them out. I would just wreck those 12-year-olds. If I was on defense, they got close to me. <laughs> All
1: right, let's, let's get ready for the football season. Let's start with college football because that's this weekend. This weekend, I believe, is what we officially call week one. Last weekend was week zero in college football. So the way that I've seen this broken down, Clay, everybody... If you said, who is everybody's college football playoff predictions? Who are their four teams in the college football playoffs this year? You're going to get a, a fair amount of consistency on Georgia. Georgia's almost everybody's uh, college football playoff prediction. Interestingly, I think Michigan would probably be the second most common pick, for more so than Ohio State, for the college football playoffs. And then you you sort of open it up to the field of... Um, Clemson, USC, maybe Texas. That's predicated on the idea that they could win the Big 12. And a second SEC team, which actually most people aren't pointing to Alabama. They're pointing to LSU. So what do you think right now? What's your pick for the four teams in the college football playoff?
0: Presuming that nothing crazy is at Tennessee. Uh, Georgia has one of the easiest possible schedules in the SEC. They're obviously two-time defending champ. So I think you have to put Georgia in. Uh, I don't see them going worse than 11-1. and one. Uh, I've got Georgia. I look at the Big Ten and I say it's Michigan, it's Ohio State, it's Penn State. It would not shock me if we end up in a three-way tie scenario or they're coming down the stretch run in November. But I actually think Michigan is going to be the better team. Of course, they get Ohio State in Ann Arbor. They have to go on the road against Penn State. Uh, I think a Michigan 11-1 and one team beats Ohio State for a third straight year advances. Uh, But I've got FSU coming out of the ACC. And then I've got USC uh, coming out of the Pac-12. And the reason why I would make those final two picks is I just believe college football has become such a quarterback-driven league I think Caleb Williams is by far the best player at the quarterback position in college football. I think he can elevate with that Lincoln-Riley offense. Cliff Kingberry now working in there. Still not sold on the defense, but I think they'll be good enough to go 11-1, and advance, win the Pac-12, 12-1. That that seems doable to me. Uh, and I think Jordan Travis can be really good with FSU. I, I think they can beat Clemson. The rest of the ACC is not as strong. So my four, Georgia, uh, Michigan, FSU – uh, USD is what I expect to see in the playoffs this year.
1: Okay. Um, I'm now biased to Clemson, as i announced to the entire audience. I am now uh, a Clemson yeah. stan. And and it's second to University of Texas, but that's fine. I don't see any conflicts on the horizon. And he might get some playing time. I think he's got my nephew, who plays offensive line for Clemson. I think he might play this weekend against Duke. Um, but you're right. I think there's re- there's objective reason to question Clemson. I think questions about the quarterback, Kate uh, Klubnik's second yeah. year. He's good. He was a high recruit, but he's not really shown yet that he's ready to carry a top-tier program in college football. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying he hasn't shown that just yet. Um, so I want to focus on USC, and I want to basically make this a debate for a minute between USC and Texas, because what we're talking about is who has the better chance to win the pack. 12 or the Big 12 um, between those two programs. And I I hear you on Caleb Williams. Let me lay out some thoughts. I'm not sure they're even arguments. They're just thoughts. Obviously, you're right about Caleb Williams. He probably repeats his winner of the Heisman Trophy. And I agree with you about the power of the quarterback.
0: There's going to be teams for him beyond a shadow of a doubt as well.
1: Yeah. And it looks like the Cardinals, by the way, they'll have two top five picks potentially. They're already looking bad and like they're tanking, which means Kyler Murray has a new chapter in his career as soon as Caleb Williams comes out. But the, you know, I was looking at these quarterback rankings the other day, not subjective, but more like it was a statistical analysis, I think, done on the athletic. And you know, who the second quarterback in college football was after Caleb Williams. It was Cam Rising, the, I believe he's a fifth year quarterback from Utah. And I, I remember Cam because he transferred from, uh, from University of Texas to Utah. And between USC's defense and Utah being a legitimate contender for the Pac 12, I do wonder about USC's representation where, and I understand it's never smart to bet on Texas. I will say, I think objectively Texas's talent pool is higher than it's ever been. I think they are doing a good job of recruiting and getting ready for the, uh, for the SEC. The big question is Quinn Ewers. Is he the all-world quarterback he's supposed to be? And if he is, whoever's second in the Big 12, Kansas State, whoever it may be, I don't think is as close to Texas as Utah is as to USC.
0: Yeah. I see that argument. First of all, and I don't know when this will go up, so we're either going to look brilliant or stupid, which is kind of far for the course um, for what we do. It uh, doesn't appear that he's going to play tonight uh, on the Thursday night opener against Florida, recovering from that injury. I also think the SC has a lot to prove after the physical domination that they took uh, from Utah last season. Um, and so I, I think they're going to have something to prove there. And then, look, you may think this is crazy, but I bet you don't as a Texas fan. I feel like the Big 12 is going to have it out for Texas and Oklahoma this year.
1: I was going to ask you and about this. Yes.
0: I think it's very reasonable for Longhorn or Sooner fans to expect that if, and I'm not trying to say there's a rig job in effect, but I just think in the back of the mind of everybody in the Big 12, they basically want to go double birds to you guys on the way out.
1: I so think if you're there's right. There's
0: a very line call. Wait, was that pass interference? Was it not? Was that a fumble? Was it not? I just think that on these like very tender issues where it could go either way, 50 50 style calls. I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to get a lot of short into the stick on 50-50. It's not going to break down, oh, half of them go your way, half of them go against you. I think it's going to be like 75-25. And as many close games as in college football, I think that could be the difference between Texas being able to advance the playoff and not.
1: The safest bet in college football this year is that Will Cain will be yelling conspiracy multiple times throughout the season. I will, without a doubt, blame a loss on the referees, and I will have a legitimate case. I was going to ask you about this. You already have given me your opinion, but I think it's absolutely true. They're going to, if not a full-blown conspiracy, if we back that up 10 yards and say, not a full-on job, Texas, know you are getting jobbed. It is at a very minimum going to be what you described of you never get the benefit of the doubt. You're never going to get the refs on your side. You're never going to get a favorable call. Or when I say never, it's going to be 70% of them go against your way. It's going to be super hard for Texas you. They're going to have to dominate.
0: I think it'll be like when you need to win on the road in college basketball. Like you go back and look at it statistically. You have to be like seven or eight points better than the home team order to go on the road and win in college basketball, particularly in conference. Uh, I think it's going to be like that for Texas and Oklahoma in football, where the home field doesn't tend to be as substantial of an impact in college football compared to college basketball.
1: Did you see you probably did the story on OutKick? I may have missed it, but um, it was from a week ago. Did you see where Texas's theme of the season is embrace the hate? Um, They they made T-shirts It's the motto of the season. And the response from from left wing media was, how dare you be better than this? Be smarter as though the only type of hate that can exist is racial hate right there's no such thing as like rivalry hate or i don't know like abusive relationship hate or or just good old fashioned you know sports hate there's no other possible kind of hate than white supremacy hate and that's what texas has embraced clay I, all
0: of rivalry is predicated on hate right like yes, you yes. hate your opponent so what when- embrace the hate like i didn't even like that's how much i i made, like down the down the corridor so far of like college football rivalry of course like team and auburn fans embrace the hate that's what makes the rivalry so good like i didn't even think oh this is some some racist like i this is my thing in general the most racist and awful human being on the planet they generally see things like this, which to evinces yes. how racist they are, where the rest, like the okay side, right? Like, you remember like back in the day when you would get flicked if like you, you saw it? You remember that big controversy at Army, Navy? All the left wingers were like, oh my God, this is what Trump has Trump's America. And I was like, No. They're trying to get the like like I'm gonna circle the game shoulder thing.
1: You remember Theo Epstein? They're shuddered, shuddered because a kid at the C- Cubs game did it behind Doug Glanville. He shuddered because somebody played the circle game. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm like this was like uh, maybe I'm just a teenage boy forever, but I'm like we did it all the time, every race, like uh, it, you know, and, and so yeah, when I saw that race to hate, and I was like, oh, I don't even like why is this story like and and i totally just thought as college football hate related not the yeah. oh my goodness what are they possibly thinking
1: but to your I'm point
0: anti-hating. i am pro life uh in terms of i don't want your grandma to ever die um uh, i anti-hating anyone except for your most uh, despised, uh college football right
1: yes i Hello. am pro i'm pro sports hate that's a healthy, cathartic outlet in society of, of genuinely um, benign tribalism. Like, this is good for us. And by the way, to your to your point, Clay, on every group, right? Yeah. White, black, Hispanic. If you root for the
0: University of Texas, you hate Oklahoma. If you are Oklahoma, like, or AM or whoever it is, All of your tribe, regardless of their backgrounds, is united in similar hate. It actually brings us together, ironically enough.
1: That's exactly right. And those, to your point of the most racist people in the world, the ones who are anti-racist and constantly looking for these things, who see hate only through the prism of white supremacy. My favorite example is... um, What was his name? I can do this. It's the ESPN tennis broadcaster who did the guerrilla tactics when when Venus Williams was playing. And I remember thinking, so he's talking about guerrilla tennis tactics, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, like guerrilla warfare. And you heard guerrilla as in ape, and you associated that to race. And in order for you to connect those dots, you had to have those ugly thoughts in your mind and think it was the only possible reference that could have been meant. And I think you have, in turn, exposed your internal racism and not your ability to see logical language, objective use of language, and see what this man meant. It says something about you.
0: Oh, 100%. And wrote about it. Name is also a me you know, On my phone, or I would look it up. Uh, but he's still not been able to get his career back. He had a heart no. attack, publicly branded a racist. He sued ESPN, um, and uh, and to his credit, ESPN ended up paying him out. But what he found out was they weren't going to assign him to be able to cover uh, any other uh, any other sporting events, and so he doesn't get to go and call the tennis majors anymore. Uh, Doug, uh, um, God, I, 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 really feel bad that I can't remember his name. Um, in fact, can we pause and let me look it up?
1: No, I'll do it while you're talking. Let's see. Doug ESPN tennis, Doug Adler.
0: Yes. Boom.
1: Doug Adler. Um,
0: Doug Adler was completely treated unfairly and we had him on the show. And will this is where I get so frustrated with our industry in general. And this is where the real power in stories like these exist. It's not only that people get great. It's that so many people are afraid that if they talk about it, or come to their defense, at all that that mob will turn to them and make them the target. And so so many people who know better stay silent. I heard uh, and that's what disappoints me.
1: I heard Doug Adler. You remember Grant Napier? Grant Napier was the Sacramento Kings uh, oh, yeah. announcer who said all lives matter. Yeah, I heard Doug Adler on Grant Napier's podcast. Grant Adler, uh, Grant Napier was fired as well. And Adler said the biggest disappointment for him was what you just described. The people he had known for a long time who had worked with him, who knew his character, knew who he was, understood what he meant, and who stayed silent. And I mean, I don't, he didn't use names, Adler, but I think he was referencing famous names. Like, like, I don't know who his broadcast partner was.
0: Venus and Serena Williams could have all. Been done
1: for yes.
0: It. Right. I mean, one of them could have said, "Yeah, I understand. It's important to combat racism. This ain't it, guys. It's actually embarrassing that you would decide to make this the, the hill upon which you fight." When there are tons of examples of legitimate racism that we could have learned about, um, and the story goes away, right? Like they had the opportunity to. Uh, and eliminated. And I remember, if I remember correctly, the New York Times writer who turned that into a story had previously been accused of rape for the way that he wrote about Venus and Arena. So he was somehow trying to get back into their races, to his own by accusing somebody else of racism. Because if he doesn't grab the clip and share it and try to turn it into a story that he did, uh, then that story never would have taken off in the first
1: We'll be right back with more of the Will Kane Podcast. All right, um, you brought up Caleb Williams and the importance of quarterbacks in college football. In your estimation, there's a lot of other guys out there. You brought up Caleb's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. There are other guys, Drake May, um, who will go high in the draft. But, you know, Drake May's on North Carolina, so that's not probably going to have a big outcome on our predictions for the season. In your mind, like, I know this, um, Alabama... Uh, Penn State, Ohio State, they're all breaking in new quarterbacks. Yeah. That's a risk in college football. I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't think there's a lot of guys who, who broke through right away in college football. They didn't need a year or two to step up. But in your who, what other quarterbacks are you looking at? I mean, uh, Carson Beck, Georgia, same thing, breaking in a new quarterback. What other quarterbacks are you looking at? Uh,
0: grab it. So I think you mentioned uh, K. Uh, uh I think Travis is going to be better than him. That's why I'm going FSU. Uh, if, if you were told me, hey, there's going to be an upset in the SEC, the biggest upset would be Georgia not winning the SEC. How would that happen? If Joe Milton would have to perform at an ordinary level. It's possible he could, right? Uh, people didn't expect Hinton Hooker to be was. Uh, maybe Joe Milton comes out and performs at an incredible level. Um, I, I think you can look at Bo Nix. We haven't USC is not the guy. Uh, Caleb Williams is not the guy who brings the fam, fam, fam rising. But Bo Nix, who feels like college football now for twenty years,
1: yeah. right, uh, formed incredibly well. Hey, only beat by JT Daniels. J, JT Daniels is still in college football, and I sincerely say this: I'm not trying to exaggerate. Is it his like sixth or seventh year in college football, and like sixth or seventh program?
0: Your guys now will be. Everybody got an extra COVID year. Yeah, so you could get red shirt. You could get your COVID year, and to be almost nobody ever got. There are a lot of guys who were twenty. Uh, stats admitted last year. I was older than Lamar
1: Jackson. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, can Jackson. we do this? Can we do this together? Whatever. Can we name JT Daniels' programs? I can do four. But I think there's more. I know it's USC, Georgia, West Virginia, and Rice where he is now. But I think I'm missing one or two in there.
0: All the ones that you just named, uh, I was going to go with Virginia, Georgia. I didn't even remember Rice. Well, that's so where he is right so now. He's playing on. Okay, I didn't even know that's where he was
1: now. I'm um, pretty sure that's right. So yeah, he's
0: playing on Texas. Uh, yes, so people yes. have played against. Uh, I mean that that's why. <laughs>
1: Isn't it amazing? He, he,
0: that, Right. He'll have started quarterback for both SC. Right. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah. At one point, I'm pretty sure he got to the start there. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. I wonder what he makes in NIL. All right. Uh, let's do pro football before we do. You're a betting man. Do you see a bet? And I actually don't know where you're going to answer this. Um, do you see a bet that you would feel comfortable making, Clay, for the GOP primary other than Donald Trump? Would you feel safe? Not what you well, want to happen. Not who you think would be the best candidate. None of that. Would you put money on DeSantis or Vivek or anybody else? Would you put smart money on anything but Donald Trump?
0: I would need to get four and five. We're bigger with where we are. Trump's So you're getting four or five. point odds. I don't think Vivek is. Fine. I think he's basically Trump's. right. Like the way he's running. So I would probably need like eight or nine on a fantasy daily type parlay. The other aspect you'd have to factor in here is, and I think that's true for Joe Biden too, one thing that nobody's talking about is a natural health condition could happen because Trump is going to be 78. Biden would theoretically be 82. I think if you were analyzing from a gambling perspective, it's not crazy to think a 78, 82-year-old could have a significant health condition which could, in some I'm talking about a natural, you know, old uh, age that could in some way dramatically impact the presidential race here. I think that's very reasonable.
1: But I don't think that guys like Mike Pence or Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis are in this race because they believe something will happen health wise with Donald Trump. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they either think that national polling is of limited value and they can do something on the ground in places like Iowa, New Hampshire and South Carolina and get momentum in some way. Or they believe something's going to happen with Donald Trump. One of these indictments, something's going to happen and they want to be the backup quarterback ready to step on the field.
0: I think they all think they could because a lot of people don't pay attention yet. Uh, They think Trump has weakness because there is a very strong evangelical audience in Iowa. Trump did not win Iowa in 2016. People forget he lost to Ted Cruz. And I think they think, hey, if we puncture that veil of inevitability on Trump and one in Iowa, that overnight the – the national markets don't really matter. It's about the local markets. And right. that's why I say you have to be South Carolina or Nevada or Trump's thing, right? So you have to win one of those four or it's over before we hardly get to March. All
1: right, let's return back to football because pro football is right around the corner. Um, I think when it comes to pro football, something's happened even since I left ESPN, in that even when I was there, Clay, the Dallas Cowboys were known to be ratings gold. I'm not just talking about on Sundays and Mondays nights. I'm talking about Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 10 a.m. to noon. I'm talking about in a radio show like mine from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Bottom line, whether you hate them or you like them, you usually don't change the channel when people are talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Something has happened where that memo went down to every single show and they embraced it. To such a way that it's on rocket boosters this year, Clay, in a way I can't even reconcile. Dak Prescott is the lower third of every single sports show from whatever Craig Carton show is called. Um, It's, you know, to everything on Fox Sports, to everything on ESPN. And it's like, how many picks did Dak throw in training camp today? Or, you know, what I saw one the other day on what was Dak's lowest moment in his career. I mean, what relevance does that have, by the way, to anything, except we're talking about Dak Prescott?
0: I usually get fired up. Not just Dak. It's the entire industry. Really think about the market size. It makes total sense, right? Dallas, Philly, uh, New York, and D.C. You've got the whole East Coast, and then you've got Dallas for the whole state of Texas and the fact that they're the brand, right? So if you had to pick and you said you could only talk about four teams in America, right, the NFC East would probably be the draft.
1: It's really right? good point. I mean, because you could York,
0: yeah. Philly, uh, D.C., the whole East Coast, and then you add the whole state of Texas and everybody else who are, you know, diaspora-ish fans, you know, having moved to wherever they have all over the country. And then to your point, the Cowboys have the most fans and the most haters in the
1: NFL. But if I added up the Eagles, the Commanders, uh, and the Giants' media attention, it wouldn't it wouldn't equal the Cowboys. I mean, I don't even know if it'd be half of the media attention of Dak and the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, and then I think Dak is a polarizing quarterback.
1: There's nothing polarizing Robo about him, at, though. He's not. He's like, what is it, polarizing about Dak Prescott?
0: Uh, it is the it is the, back of the FC NFC champion, and he makes yeah. 100 million. Yeah. And his owner is Jerry Jones, right? Like, yeah. Jerry Jones. Of all the owners, I think also the most entertaining owner, right? Uh, in terms of, any, I mean, how many other owners have press availabilities?
1: No, I, uh, none. I, I, I can't, Right? Certainly no.
0: not in a trouble like that where there's like 20 guys waiting to hear every word he's going to say, right? Like, that doesn't fit for any other team owner on a regular basis. Bob Kraft does it a little bit, but nobody does it like Jerry which I think is fabulous. He's wildly entertaining.
1: If you were picking second, on, like you just said, you're drafting a division in football, and the NFC East is your first pick because of the media markets, I'm trying to think, let's just say this, who is the second best in terms of attention and relevance division in the NFL? Because I don't think the answer is the AFC East, even though it has New York and Boston and Miami. I don't think it's the AFC East.
0: Is it? I think it used to be the NFC when Aaron Rodgers, was in Green Bay. But yes. get Chicago, even the bears, are good. It's a huge market, everybody cares about. You get Minnesota, people have strong opinions on Kirk Hunt. And you get the Lions who are like the woeful they'll never win, like, but they always kind of make everybody sad. Now that Aaron Rodgers is on, I don't think and I think you would have said the AFC East was in right. the AFC East because that was a really telling story. Patriots and Mac Jones are boring. I would go with
1: the, AFC North, uh, AFC would, North, yeah, yeah. Those franchises: gone,
0: Burrow, Lamar, yes. and then the Steelers—probably the second or third most iconic historical NFL franchise. I think those are the. That's
1: the. I agree. I think if you were looking at a division that is the next best in national ratings, it would be North because of Burrow and because of the brand of the Steelers, uh, Lamar Jackson. I, I mean, I even think the Browns have a little bit of a brand with that iconic uniform even though they're oh, sad sack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's
1: 100%. Okay, uh who's your Super Bowl pick? You I want NFC, AFC and then champion. Who's in the Super Bowl?
0: Last year I picked the Bills. I'm going to be picking Mahomes. I feel like for a lot of years in the AFC. I think the NFC's a lot more wild at wide open. I don't think that many people would have seen people and having the performance that they did. I'm going to go a little bit off the reservation. I like the Vikings. I, really? I think they could put things together uh, with Kirk Cousins the off side of the ball. They've been in the playoffs the last few years. I think they finally come together. Year two, new coach, new system. Kirk Cousins, I expect to play well. So I'm going Vikings, uh, Chiefs, and I would pick the Chiefs uh, to win again.
1: I am going to Great. pick. Yeah, I'm going to pick. I do this every year, and I mean it. I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I think they're only better from last year. I think Dak has a Super Bowl in him. I think Micah Parsons is a force of nature that can change games, championship games. I think injury is always a question. And if there's injuries on the offensive line, then the Cowboys season could go the other way quick. But their defense is incredible. I like Brandon Cooks as a weapon next to CeeDee Lamb. I believe in Tony Pollard. And I believe in Dak. Now, I was low last year at the end of the season. But this is what I do. I reinvest Optimism and hope, and I and I believe it, and I would go with the Chiefs uh, in the AFC, and I would this just as a uh, token of my objectivity, I would say I would bet on Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl, so it would be Chiefs over Cowboys in the Super Bowl. The Niners are the only team in the NFC that really, really make me nervous, and I just don't know how much I can invest in Brock Purdy. I don't know that I can say, oh, bro.
0: them because ultimately, like coming off the injury, um, and. That scenario. I love the deep, uh, but uh, but am going to go a little bit off the reservation.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Fun conversation to get us ready for college football with a little bit of politics and culture mixed in. Always great to talk to you, Clay Travis. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, man. Thank you. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Clay Travis. Again, check out his radio show, A Clay and Buck Show, syndicated across the nation on iHeartRadio, and check out Outkick at Outkick.com. I'll see you again next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From
0: the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.